Hello, everyone. Welcome again to The Mystic Show. Happy to be here this morning in uh, a suburb of New York City. You can think of it that way. It's called New Jersey. It's a wonderful place. Most of it. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it's a wonderful place. It really is. Um, my name's Chris Curran, and welcome to the show. This is the show where we talk about all kinds of topics, all based around spirituality and mindfulness and love, compassion, personal growth. Right, I think that might be the biggest uh that might be the biggest topic of this show, personal growth, because in a way that's I mean spirituality happens when you're meditating and it happens on such a level that we're not aware of most of it. So when it comes to listening to a radio show like this, um this is more about personal development, I guess. But we have to talk about the theories and everything, the abstract principles. And it's funny, when you talk about spiritual truths, don't you just like feel that it's true? Like when you read famous quotes. So, actually, I want to read a famous quote, but um, first I just want to tell you our website, themysticshow.net. If you go to our website, you can see our phone number and our Skype handle. You can call us on Skype. You can call us on the phone. If you have a question or if you want to chat with me about one of these topics, and we wait till you hear the chapter of the James Allen book that we're going to read today. Oh my. Yes. This is... Uh, this one hits pretty hard, <laughs> in a good way. I like, I really like it a lot. Um, I'm trying to find this quote for you guys. So, I don't know. I thought it was in this book here. You know, I attended a, uh, I attended a seminar with this woman named uh, Mary Morrissey. Do you guys, have you heard of Mary Morrissey? She is just one of the greatest uh, authors, speakers. Yeah. Yeah, and, and uh, me and my wife have met her a few times, actually. I would love to have her on this show. So, Mary Morrissey, if you're listening, please send me a message and come on our show. All right. I found the quote from, uh, from one of her programs actually, but it's not her quote. It's a quote from Henry David Thoreau. And this is, you, you've heard part of this, I'm sure. Part of this is a famous quote, but then there's a few sentences more after it that really are, well, you'll see it just, this is tremendous. Okay, so this is Henry David Thoreau. I have learned this, at least, by my experiment, 
that if one advances confidently in the direction of their dreams and endeavors to live the life that they have imagined, they will meet with success unexpected in common hours. They will put some things behind and pass an invisible boundary. New, more universal, and more liberal laws will begin to establish themselves around and within this one. The old laws will be expanded and interpreted in their favor. And one begins to live with a license of a higher order of being. If you have built castles in the air, your work need not be lost. That is where they should be. Now put foundations under them. So that's the end of that quote. And um, you may have even heard a couple parts of that. The The line that I'd never heard before was uh, uh, this one. They will put some things behind and pass an invisible boundary. And this idea of an invisible boundary is so cool. Right? I think on our spiritual journey, we, as we grow and progress and uh, unbecome a lot of what we have become, you know, peeling back the onion, I think we do cross invisible boundaries. We don't, we don't know it. We're unaware. But we, we probably cross invisible boundaries and move into subtler realms of being. And who knows, we may go back and forth over the same invisible boundary a hundred times or a million times. Um, it's just a nice uh, visual, you know, like right, like an effect from a movie, like walking, passing an invisible boundary, and then like almost like walking through the Stargate. Remember that movie, Stargate? Right? You walk through it, and you're in a different world, a different dimension. That's a, so that quote's from Henry David Thoreau. And he's, um, my wife and I have always wanted to go up to uh, Walden Pond. I guess that's in New England. And, you know, check out the pond and the, the, the little cabin that he built and maybe take a tour or something and learn a little bit more about Henry David Thoreau because his writing is so tremendous and his relationship with uh Ralph Waldo Emerson as well see that now I have to change my name now now instead of Chris Curran I have to become uh Christopher Frederick Curran <laughs> that's too long though when I was a kid my fu- my full name has 26 letters it's the same amount of letters as in the alphabet I remember I was a kid. I figured that out. So here's a River Reed thinking. This is a little story. I just want to read this. Okay. It says River Reed thinking. In India, the elephant is the farm animal that carries the weight for the farmer when he needs help. 
In America, we use cattle. There, the cattle are considered holy, so they use elephants. An elephant is much is a much bigger animal, and so the farmers had to get really smart about how to train these elephants. What they discovered about the elephant is this. If you take a young elephant and you drive a big stake in the ground and you put a big rope around one of the legs of the baby elephant and so you tether it to the stake, it will struggle and tug and try to get away from that stake. Finally, over time, because the stake and the rope are stronger than the elephant, that elephant will realize that it can't get away. Finally, it will give up. As the elephant grows in size, the dimension of the stake and the rope don't need to grow in size. Once the elephant gives up thinking that he can get away, then the size of the rope and the stake actually gets smaller. Because as soon as the elephant feels the tug, it leans toward the tug instead of away from it. So, when the elephant is full grown, all the farmers need to do is go out to the rivers and pull out a few river reeds and then weave them together to make long ropes. And they just put a real tiny rope around that elephant And they can pull the elephant with a tiny river reed rope because the elephant feels any tug and he moves with the tug. And this, this happens at the, uh, this happens at the, um, circus as well. They, you know, these baby elephants, they, they struggle like heck to get away from this stake and the rope and they can't. And then, then you have these huge elephants. They just uh, put the put the rope around his foot and the stake in the ground. I mean, the big elephant could easily just rip that thing out of the ground in in, in an instant. But uh, they don't, right? They're conditioned. They're conditioned to just stay right where they are. So, how about you? Do you think there's any conditioning in your life? That's making you stay tethered to the ground. Maybe some beliefs you have. Maybe some uh, self-image you're trying to live up to is just keeping you right where you are and you, you don't feel like you can move. Well, maybe maybe it's time to realize that you're an elephant and rip the stake out of the ground. It's totally doable um, in many areas of our lives. I think the career is one of them, right? We all feel stuck in a career, but, you know, I know a guy who, he turned 80 years old, right? 80, eight zero. He turned 80 years old and he said, you know what? I've always wanted to uh, organize jazz concerts. I'm going to start organizing jazz concerts. And now, and now he he organize, he finds the musicians, he puts on the concerts, and he's having the time of his life. He's eighty years old. 
So, and he never did that before. He had never done anything with music or jazz or anything. He just decided he wanted to do it. So, I think life is like that, in a way. Once we decide to do it, then we can just do it. And I think the same applies in the spiritual realm as well. Because the will plays an enormous role in our spiritual growth. I mean, when we put our will behind something, when we actually make a decision and put our will behind it, that's it. I don't know if there's anything that can really stop us. I mean, people will argue. I had one guy in one of my seminars, he, I, I was talking like this, like, you know, that you can, you can really achieve your goals. Whatever you really want to achieve, you can achieve it. And he started arguing with me. He said he wanted to be the general manager of the New York Yankees. And he said, that's never going to happen. He said, that's what I want, but it's not possible. It can never happen. And I, I said, no, that's, that's just your belief. He said, no, I'm too old. I, have, I don't have the background. And he started making all the excuses. And they're good excuses. They're correct. He, he was correct in everything he said, that he didn't have the background, that he maybe technically or, or t- yeah, technically was too old to get into that career or it would take him too long to climb that ladder, whatever it is. But, you know, some people in life, they play by all the rules and they get nowhere and they have no fun and they don't grow very much. Other people say, look, I don't care about the rules. I mean, as long as you're a nice person, you could do whatever you want. You could change your life, change your career, change your friends, change your attitude, change into a morning person, right? Because I was never really much of a morning person. But now I'm, I'm getting there. I'm getting there and it really makes makes a big difference actually so are you an elephant staked to the ground that's my question if you have an answer you can call me um so we're going to take a quick break and then uh then you can call me and then we're going to read this chapter from the james allen book which is tremendous really is Be right back. Thank you to uh, Anya for that musical piece. That's off her album, The Celts. And you're listening to The Mystic Show. We broadcast live every weekday morning 
at 7 a.m. Eastern Time. And the show gets replayed twice in the evening, actually 8 p.m. and 1 a.m. Eastern Time. And of course, every episode is archived on the website, themysticshow.net. Themysticshow.net, you can see our phone number and our Skype handle. You can call me. You can also comment on any of the shows. Like if you listen to a show from the website or from anywhere, you can actually comment on uh, on the post. So if you like what I said, you can comment. If you don't like what I said or one of our guests or if you disagree, feel free to comment. So, um, yeah. So what we're reading is this book called Above Life's Turmoil. And it's by James Allen. He's the English mystic who... uh, who lived in the late 19th century, and he passed away 101 years ago. And we're loving this book. We we read the whole Byways of Blessedness book in the first, um, the first 30 or so episodes of the Mystic Show. Um, yesterday we read the Man of Integrity, and it was all about right the fact that if we live with integrity and we do the right thing and we're we're good at heart. Success will come. It's really unavoidable. A good man with good actions just cannot fail in the end. Remember, he said for a time, it may look like he's failing, but in the end, nope. And he also said the other way, that if if you take the wrong action, with the wrong attitude, with the wrong action, you can never succeed. You can never get good results. Even if, for a time, it may look like you're receiving good results, it won't last. In the end, in the end, we get what we deserve. And there's really no avoiding that. And I guess that's what we're learning. Right, I think when you're young, well, me, when I was younger, I think I was trying to like, outsmart life, like trying to be more clever or figure out how I could, you know, achieve results without doing very much or, you know, cutting corners. And I mean, maybe it's, maybe it's a normal part of life trying to figure out, you know, what you can get away with type thing. But I tried all kinds of stuff and, you know, I wasn't, I was never like a bad person or anything. But I was trying to do the least work and trying to cut corners and and you know what? It just it just never pays off. It I don't know. What do you, what do you think? Has it have you tried to do that in your life? Cut corners and you know, sit down to do your meditation and just pretend or or you know, get up after five minutes and say, Okay, that's enough. I mean, yeah. You know, you know how much good that does for you. Not much. So the next passage in this book is called Discrimination. Yes, discrimination. And he's going to talk about how important discrimination is. And, you know, at first blush, that might seem, you know, discrimination, that's a bad word. We shouldn't discriminate. And, of course, that's what society has been drilling into our brains for many years. 
basically talking about racial discrimination, right? That we should not discriminate between a white person and a black person and an Asian person or an Eskimo, right? We shouldn't discriminate between those people. And that's obvious, right? I mean, please. That's like the first millimeter of the first step of spirituality is that we we just realize that everyone's a human being and we're all the same. We all have a soul that's the same. So that, okay, racial discrimination is one thing, but check this out. Listen to what James Allen has to say about spiritual discrimination and how important it is. So again, this is from the book Above Life's Turmoil by James Allen, and this passage is called Discrimination. There is one quality which is preeminently necessary to spiritual development, the quality of discrimination. A man's spiritual progress will be painfully slow and uncertain until there opens within him the eye of discrimination. For without this testing, proving, searching quality, he will but grope in the dark, will be unable to distinguish the real from the unreal, the shadow from the substance, and will so confuse the false with the true as to mistake the inward promptings of his animal nature for those of the spirit of truth. A blind man left in a strange place may grope his way in darkness, but not without much confusion and many painful falls and bruisings. Without discrimination, a man is mentally blind, and his life is a painful groping in darkness, a confusion in which vice and virtue are indistinguishable one from the other, where the facts are confounded with truths, opinions with principles, and where ideas, events, men, and things appear to be out of all relation to each other. A man's mind and life should be free from confusion. He should be prepared to meet every mental, material, and spiritual difficulty and should not be inextricably caught, as many are, in the meshes of doubt, indecision, and uncertainty when troubles and so-called misfortunes come along. He should be fortified against every emergency that can come against him. But such mental preparedness and strength cannot be attained in any degree without discrimination. And discrimination can only be developed by bringing into play and constantly exercising 
the analytical faculty. Mind, like muscle, is developed by use. And the assiduous exercise of the mind in any given direction will develop, in that direction, mental capacity and power. The merely critical faculty is developed and strengthened by continuously comparing and analyzing the ideas and opinions of others. But discrimination is something more and greater than criticism. It is a spiritual quality from which the cruelty and egotism, which so frequently accompany criticism, are eliminated, and by virtue of which a man sees things as they are, and not as he would like them to be. Discrimination, being a spiritual quality, can only be developed by spiritual methods, namely, by questioning, examining, and analyzing one's own ideas, opinions, and conduct. The critical, fault-finding faculty must be withdrawn from its merciless application to the opinions and conduct of others and must be applied with undiminished severity to oneself. A man must be prepared to question his every opinion, his every thought, and his every line of conduct, and rigorously and logically test them. Only in this way can the discrimination which destroys confusion be developed. Before a man can enter upon such mental exercise, he must make himself of a teachable spirit. This does not mean that he must allow himself to be led by others. It means that he must be prepared to yield up any cherished thoughts to which he clings, if it will not bear the penetrating light of reason if it shrivels up before the pure flames of searching aspirations. The man who says, I am right, and who refuses to question his position in order to discover whether he is right, will continue to follow the line of his passions and prejudices, and will not acquire discrimination. The man who humbly asks, Am I right? And then proceeds to test and prove his position by earnest thought and the love of truth will always be able to discover the true and to distinguish it from the false. And he will acquire the priceless possession of discrimination. The man who is afraid to think searchingly upon his opinions 
and to reason critically upon his position, will have to develop moral courage before he can acquire discrimination. A man must be true to himself, fearless with himself, before he can perceive the pure principles of truth, before he can receive the all-revealing light of truth. The more truth is inquired of, the brighter it shines. It cannot suffer under examination and analysis. The more error is questioned, the darker it grows. It cannot survive the entrance of pure and searching thought. To prove all things is to find the good and throw the evil. He who reasons and meditates learns to discriminate. He who discriminates discovers the eternally true. Confusion, suffering, and spiritual darkness follow the thoughtless. Harmony, blessedness, and the light of truth attend upon the thoughtful. Passion and prejudice are blind and cannot discriminate. They are still crucifying the Christ and releasing Barabbas. Okay, so that's, uh, that's the section on discrimination. Let's take a quick break and come right back. Welcome back to The Mystic Show. Thanks to Anya again for the music. Our website is themysticshow.net. This is the show about personal development and mindfulness and spirituality and reality. Actually, not reality because you can't even talk about that. <laughs> there's, there's nothing to talk about. Nothing is real, right? John Lennon said that. He laid it down right there. So simple. Nothing is real. So, again, on the website, you can get our phone number or our Skype handle and call me on Skype or on the phone if you want to talk about this discrimination chapter. Um, I just think this is great. So he's talking about spiritual discrimination and... And um, 
he he likens someone without discrimination to a blind man left in a strange place. And the blind man can grope in the darkness, but that's really difficult. He's going to fall. He's going to bruise himself. And he's not going to be having much fun, right? So discrimination, in a spiritual sense, we need it to be able to understand what we're doing, understand what's happening, and really to help us make sure we uh, stay on the right path. I mean, there's many places we can stray from the path, and um, but if we have discrimination, then we're clear on these things. You know, and he says without discrimination, there's a lot of confusion as well. And living in a confused way is not great. And he also talks about the the difference between the critical faculty and discrimination. Right? Being critical is one thing. If you're using your, uh, if you're continually comparing and analyzing the ideas and opinions of others, um, you know, and arguing and being critical, that's one thing. That's a lot of, that's really ego is what that is. Thinking your position is right and the other person's wrong or that you know better than the other person, right? But discrimination is completely different than that. There's really no egotism when it comes to discrimination in the spiritual sense. And then he says, I mean, it's great. He says the only way you can develop it is by questioning and examining and analyzing your own ideas and opinions and conduct. So here again, a spiritual truth that's telling us to go inside. Right? Isn't that beautiful? So we should not worry about you know, criticizing and fault-finding with other people and their ideas and opinions. Forget that. He's telling us the only way we can develop discrimination is to turn inwards and, you know, analyze ourselves. Look at our own ideas, our own opinions and conduct. And it's obviously that's difficult. But if you do that, I mean, think of what you'll learn and how much stronger you'll become and how much discrimination you'll, you will gain. Discrimination power, I should say. I mean, and then he talks about being a, a teachable spirit. Did you catch that line? He, he's, this is the sentence. Before a man can enter upon such mental exercise... He must make himself of a teachable spirit. And then he says, uh, this does not mean that he must allow himself to be led by others. It means that he must be prepared to yield up any cherished thoughts to which he clings, if it will not bear the penetrating light of reason. So, right there, I mean, we have to be a teachable spirit, right? We have to I guess that's there's there's a lot of humility wrapped up in that as well. Being teachable and saying, you know, 
maybe I'm not I'm not always 100% right. Or I don't know 100% of all the knowledge in the world. It's kind of like acknowledging that, yes, there are things in the world that I still don't know that I need to learn. And he talks about the man who says, I am right, and who refuses to question his position. So that person is not going to develop any discrimination. They're going to continue groping in the dark, right? Just simply, as he says, following the line of their passions and prejudices. And I think, I mean, you could see it. Today there's so much ego in the world that everyone thinks I'm right. I know what to do. I can do it myself. I can do it better than you. So the person who asks, am I right? And proceeds to test and prove his position by earnest thought. Right? So maybe, you know, it's, it's interesting. Maybe some of the beliefs we hold or the opinions we have are not correct. Maybe if we just think about it and analyze it just a little bit, we might find that uh, we've been wrong for all these years. I know that's in in the meditation practice that I do, the Sahaj Marg meditation, through the literature and the teaching of my spiritual guide, he explains a lot of just simple principles, uh, you know, like prayer or like discrimination or or duty or discipline and so many you know or freedom even freedom so many of these simple principles these words you think they you think you know what they mean in fact all those words i mentioned you probably think oh yeah i know what that means but when you <laughs> when you really hear from someone who really knows what they mean, you sort of hear the real explanation and you're like, wow, I never thought of it that way. And that's actually contrary to what society has taught me. So it's almost like a lot of our even fundamental thinking about these basic principles is actually wrong. So it's good when we can learn and be teachable and learn these things. Um, and over time, just get more distinctions and develop more discrimination. I'll tell you one of the most painful things, though, about changing. And uh, in fact, I, I think I read this somewhere and it just seems so true that one of the main reasons people don't change is because they're they're afraid or unwilling to admit that they've been living, that they've been wrong all these years. So think about it. Someone who eats a certain type of food. Uh, should I pick a food? or sh- well, Let's just leave it generic. Someone eats a certain type of food and maybe it's not the best food to eat, right? Maybe it's junk food. Let's call it junk food. Someone eats junk food their whole life and when they're, let's say, middle-aged, they kind of realize that, oh, this is junk food and this other food is much better for me. But, and this isn't the best example, but 
they're kind of in their subconscious, they're unwilling to change and start eating the healthy food and leave behind the junk food. Because then that would be admitting that, you know what, for all those years I was eating junk food and it wasn't that good. (laughs) So in our minds, we sort of, we keep doing what we're doing because we want to think that we've been right all these years. And it takes a lot of courage, really takes a lot of courage to say, you know what, I'm going to change for the better. And uh, and you don't even have to admit that you were wrong all those years. You just say, "Hey, that was where I was at the time, and now I'm somewhere different, and I'm moving. I'm I'm improving my life. I'm improving myself. That's it. Leave you know, leave the past behind. So, but the ego loves to cling to the past, doesn't it? So that's a little bit about discrimination. Uh, to me. It's just fascinating, and uh, I think even personally, when when um, when I meet people, I, I think that your discrimination also becomes more subtle over time, and you can sort of read people and read situations. You can even read places, like you just walk into a place and you just feel something's not right, or or you feel very calm and relaxed and you say, wow, this is a really cool place. I think some, well, a lot of nature is like that, right? When you go into nature, when you take a walk in the park or you sit near the river and you read your book, um, you feel it, right? You can feel really nice. Just calm and peaceful and connected. And then if you go into a loud, like some bar playing loud rock music, I mean, that feels completely different. And we kind of know that. That's obviously like a gross example of uh, of, of discriminating, <laughs> of uh, you know, a place. So, all right, well, you guys are just a bunch of chatty Cathy's. You're not... You're not leaving me off the phone here. You're not you're not giving me a chance to get in my opinion or my word. Wow. One of these days. One of these days I'm gonna sit down and write a long letter To all the good friends I've known And I'm gonna try To thank them all for the good times together Though so apart we've grown all right, thanks to Neil Young for One of These Days. That's a great song. Um, one of these mystic shows, I'm going to just play a lot more music. In fact, if <laughs> I'm not going to say it. But yes, you're listening to The Mystic Show, and I'm Chris Curran. 
We do the show every weekday morning at 7 a.m. Eastern Time, talking about personal development, spirituality. We're going to have some guests later this week and next week. And uh, yeah, if you know anyone who uh, who might be a good guest on this show, maybe someone I can interview a little bit, um, send me a note through the website, themysticshow.net. You can go to the Contact Us page and just type in some Type in your a note and just click send, and you're done. That'd be great. So, um, and by the way, also check out the Pause Your Life website. I don't know if you've been there yet. Pauseyourlife.org. Pause Your Life. Some, you know, some people, I've met so many people that just say, oh, I just need a break. You know, especially people who work a lot, a lot of hours. They just like, I just need a break. I can't get a break. I'm too busy. I'm always on the run. And, uh, well, there's a simple answer. It's called pauseyourlife.org. Go on a retreat or go to a meetup group and lay down or, or set down all that junk that you're carrying on your shoulders and your mind and just be a human being. Right? There's There's an idea. Just be a human being for a few hours or a few days. So, so yeah, the, the topic of the day seems to be discrimination. And, you know, one thing I wanted to just chat about was, was leisure. Like I just mentioned that a lot of people work a lot and, um, they're so busy. We're, we're so busy. I'm so busy. I'm, I'm, I'm in the same boat. We're all in the same boat. Um, some people handle it better, though, right? Some people are more suave or something. But um, but with all the work we do, we do need time off. And, and a retreat or a meetup group with Pause Your Life is great. But even in smaller doses, you know, we can definitely make use of like, you know, leisure or hobbies. In fact, last night I um I just turned on the uh the World Series, the the baseball game. And uh I just wanted to see it. I you know, just wanted to zone out for a half an hour and watch a little bit of the game. I mean, I used to play baseball, so it's very interesting to me and, you know, it's great. So you Everyone has their interests and their hobbies, and uh, you know, my wife does a little painting. She has some brushes and some paints, and she'll buy a little canvas and every now and then just paint. And uh, so, what are some of your hobbies? How do you how do you detach from the world at times and and have some fun or just divert your mind? I mean, there's a lot of Negative ways you can do that, obviously, but uh, we don't want to do anything negative. I mean, some people are at that point in their life, and that's okay. And you, you know, you do what you do, and keep learning, keep learning, keep going. So, but leisure is very important, and you know, we go for walks in the woods, and. Um, did I mention that you can call and tell me what you're, <laughs> what you like to do for your leisure? Um, reading is obviously a huge one. 
right? Reading is great. In fact, I have some books right here in front of me. There's this little book called Silent Power, and it's by this guy named Stuart Wilde, and apparently he's also the author of Whispering Winds of Change. And it's this little book is published uh, through Hay House. See, Louise Hay, she needs to come on this show. I would love that, yeah. And we're going to have to talk about her book, too, You Can Heal Your Life. But this book, Silent Power, is cool. It's like, it, literally, this book could fit in your pocket. It's It's got to be three and a half inches by, let's say, five inches. And they're real. you know, it's small. And there's 100 pages, so it's about not even a half an inch thick. You could put it in your pocket. And one time, my wife and I went to the park, and I just brought this book, and I just was reading this book, and it's pretty interesting. Oh, and I just found this, uh, some kind of feather from a bird stuck in this book. It's a little one. Almost looks like peacock colors, but it's a tiny, tiny feather. Maybe my wife put it there. Anyway, Silent Power, it's it's a good book, all about subtle feelings and, you know, when we can just give more attention to the subtle undercurrent of life and... And he also talks about that um, when you meet people, the, okay, there's the superficial level of, there's, let's say there's two people, two physical bodies, and they shake hands, and they, they're standing there talking, right? And they both might be smiling, and that's okay, right? They're just talking. But on a more subtle level, he, he makes some really good points that, like, if you, it's almost like we can live on a subtle level as well as the grosser level. So you can actually just have the thought that, um, I mean, you can have any thought that divine grace is flowing to both of you, um, that you can just have the thought that you recognize their subtle spirit, spiritual body or whatever. And you just recognize that, and or you just say, you know, a prayer that may may this person be well, or you know, like a subtle encouragement in your mind. I'm talking about not not through your words. So you can, you know, and even having those thoughts is a little bit gross, because really, eventually, we should sort of think those things automatically like we shouldn't even be aware anymore that we're thinking those things but we just do and uh so anyway that's a little bit of the subtle power that he's talking about in this book silent power so um yeah and uh subtle feelings and etheric perception that's another thing you can perceive things uh on the subtle level from the people that you meet it's not just are they smiling do they look happy there's something going on underneath you know sometimes people need to talk or maybe sometimes someone is really happy and glowing right you ever see someone that's kind of glowing 
So, oh, this is what he calls it, silent talking. I'm going to have to read this one. Maybe I'll read it on the show. Right? Silent talking. That's kind of what I was talking about just now. And I forgot about that. And he also talks about leaning. Leaning in terms of... uh, Like emotionally leaning on someone. Like, you know when you meet people and they're just really needy and they they ask for this. Can I have that? Can I have this? Can you do this for me? Can you do this? It's like they're putting you to work and they're just taking, taking, taking. Um, and it's tiring. <laughs> I mean, we all know people like that, right? They're kind of, they're leaning on you. They're like almost forcing you to do things, even little subtle things too, you know? So one of the distinctions uh, Stuart Wilde makes is that you shouldn't lean on people like that in terms of subtle being, right? I'm not talking about physically leaning on someone. I'm talking about in the subtle bodies, don't lean on people. Just be be there and let them be there. And don't put all these, you know, whether it's emotional baggage or expectations or needs and wants and desires. I mean, just don't lean on people energetically because people feel that. And when someone feels that you're leaning on them, they're going to be repelled, right? They just want to get away. If you keep asking for things or keep emotionally being needy, right? But if you're not leaning on them, if you're not needy, then subconsciously the person likes you and says, oh, this is good. This is a a good good balance, right? Kind of like you can just be two normal human beings. Which is kind of what it always comes down to anyway. So Silent Power, I, sh- I didn't really uh, reread this book before I was just going to talk about it today, but... Um, but it's definitely good. Let me read the back here. This is the back of the book. Here in this tiny book, I'll tell you about the power, its mystery, and how to get it. There's a simple trick you have to learn. Once you've got that, silent power becomes your unspoken credential. It's a charisma that gradually grows and develops around you. Through it, you can express a special goodness that helps people and this planet to change for the better. So that's pretty cool. It is a good book. I'm going to have to talk a little more about that. But I want to thank you for joining me today on The Mystic Show. Go to our website. Check out all the old episodes, too. They're not really that old, actually. They're previous episodes. And uh, I hope you can keep talking about these subjects today. Maybe tell someone that you meet. Ask them what they think about spiritual discrimination. And see what they say. Have some fun. But don't lean on them energetically. All right. Well, this has been a great show. I want to thank you. And um, as you move through your day, maintain a good vibration of lightness. And as always... Keep shining.